What's up, guys? This is the Responsible Educators Podcast. I am Andrew, and this I'm... is... <laughs> all right, it's all right, it's all right. Hey, everyone. This is the Responsible Educators Podcast, Episode 3. I am Andrew Redio. And I'm Chris Cook. And we are joined by a very special guest. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead and introduce our guest. This is the esteemed associate pastor of the New Life Church in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Worship pastor. OG New Life. OG New Life, not the newlife.tv, not to be confused with that. Oh, <laughs> plug them not, in this thing. Not the chain New Life. <laughs> got you, got you. The Very capable young man, graduated from, I'm just going to give him the whole thing. Is that okay? Graduated yeah, go, from give him his credentials. Central Baptist College, getting his master's from Cal Baptist. Is that correct? In worship arts. Mm-hmm. Um, Preston Jones. What's it, up, everybody? Man, it's Glad a privilege. to be here, man. It's good. It's good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that we finally have a guest to on the show. It's going to be really fun energy. Uh, so let's start off. In. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Let's start off how we usually do. Let's start off in prayer. Preston, would you lead us in prayer tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Lord, thank you for what you've done, God. We just thank you so much for the opportunity to um, be able to come together, God, as brothers in Christ and just talk about your word. God, I pray that, um, that the people that are listening, Listening to this right insight into your word, God, that they don't just listen to this, uh, whether they're um, trying to gain more knowledge or just make fun of us, God. I pray that they get insight into your word. And God, we pray that this podcast um, ultimately is honoring and glorifying to you. We pray that you would be with the conversations uh, today and that we just give this up to you in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. So we're going to go ahead and introduce our topic. Chris, I'll let you jump in there. All right. So the last two episodes, we drove, we walked through Genesis one and Genesis two. And tonight we are diving into the fall of man in Genesis chapter three, some spicy, spicy stuff. I'm excited. (laughs) It's going to be a real good podcast because this is going to like, I guess, spurn a lot of different conversations. And I'm excited to see where this goes. Yes. A lot of rabbit trails. Yes. Well, and I want to, I want to, I think we need to say this, maybe not every time, but continue to reiterate what we're trying to do is create a space to be able to wrestle with topics. So we are not coming from a position of this is authoritative. And if you don't believe this, you're not a Christian. Um, That being said, we have studied and read sometimes more than others, right? based on the week we're working people we have jobs we're ministers like we got things to do just like regular normal day people do right Uh, because that's what we are too Uh, we just want to create a space to where people can come in and listen to us and say hey it's okay for me to wrestle with these ideas and to struggle with them right it's there's nothing we need to have that type of free thought and we need to recover that because i i think i don't want to keep going on too long but i do think that there is kind of this, there has been for too long, this idea of, of, of this fear to 
honestly question things within the context of the church. We have the deconstruction movement right now, and that can be a myriad of different things. That can be someone who simply was raised Southern Baptist, right? They started to study the scripture and they've changed their beliefs on that. And now they're Anglican. They sure. deconstructed. That can be someone who was raised in an evangelical home and now is a, is a progressive atheist. Like that can be a lot of different things. And what we don't need to do is say questioning and studying is bad. What we need to do is create a safe space within Orthodox faith to say that, no, this is okay to question, to dive into God's word and let God's word speak for itself. Agreed. Now that, that was a great way to start this because that's ultimately our goal. Our goal is to honor God. 100. So we hope to not jump into any heresies. If we do just, just give us some grace. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> great. <laughs> Starting off in great foot. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to go to the word like we do. And Preston's going to read the King James version of Genesis three. Hey, don't you love that? We had the guest pray and read the Bible. Yes. Like this is we're, great. Get, we're getting them. We're getting them. Yeah. Yeah. You read the whole chapter. Oh, okay. Here we go. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both opened and they were, uh, they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. 
In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now let he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the seat of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of to keep the way of the tree of life. Interesting. Boom. I haven't heard the, the King James version in a while. And it's just it's just interesting how pretty and different it is compared to what I'm reading currently. Um, okay, so let's let's go out through each of us and just anything that stuck out to you that like struck you when you read that. Let's go ahead and start with Chris. Okay, so this is maybe a hot thing. <laughs> hot take alert. Hot, hot take alert. Already. We just like, read the scripture. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Go to the end of Genesis 3. Okay. Go to verse 22. Listen to what the Lord God said. Uh-huh. Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Yeah. Interesting to me, because it seems like unless unless taking the fruit automatically took that away from him. Sure. It seems like the man and the woman have not eaten of the tree of life yet, period. Mm -hmm. And so. What's interesting about that is because they obviously have life. Yeah. So this tree of life is not giving them some sort of life, right? Right. What is this tree of life doing in, in the, just reading this scripture, right? It's doing something. And I guess we're, we're, we're theorizing here, but it mm. seems like it's doing something spiritual. Yes. It seems like it's granting immortality. The eternal. Interesting. What do you yeah. think? What do you think, Preston? What do you think about that? Well, I personally, Chris and I were talking about this a little bit before, and I brought up the point. I think the immortality was already there because we know death entered by sin, right? So I don't think there was like a, I think they were already made eternal. Okay. Okay. um, Because we know sin hadn't come yet and death is a result of sin. Sure. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I, it's just like, why would, why would what is that tree of life that God doesn't want them to be back at that tree mm. of life and partake in it? Yeah. So, Cause it seems like it's significant, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and in, in my article that I brought, I, there's something interesting about that that I'll talk about later on. Okay. 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 So that, that is really interesting. I think about that. And, and I think about the, obviously death came into the garden. They didn't see death. So there was this form of, not dying right but i almost was in the sense of this seems like and i don't want to i don't want to speak too boldly about this because obviously we're just reading the chapter here but it almost seems like what is what is life it seems like it's it's almost like christ right here right the tree of life 
because that's what we do once we accept Jesus Christ is now we actually were dead. Now we are living and we get to be with him in eternity. It almost seems like it's that same premise right there. That's interesting. That's very interesting. And then at the end of verse 24, it says they put, he put the cherubim there uh, with a flaming sword turning, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Just, just interesting phrase phrasing. That's, that's interesting. Good, good catch there. I, we'll spurn more. We'll have more of that conversation as we go. Uh, Preston, what stuck out to you? <clears throat> um, I think that did. Uh, and there was another one. Um, but one quick thing, I don't know, around Christmas time, I think, is when this picture kind of surfaces the internet. And I absolutely love this picture. But it's the picture of, I meant to bring it, um, it's the picture of two women facing each other, and it's Mary and Eve. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And yeah. Mary's pregnant, and like, she's consoling Eve. And Interesting. That's good imagery and, right there. And it is uh, below, below Mary, Mary stepping on a snake's head. And so like, it's a perfect, like, that's, image. that's beautiful. Really. And so I love, you know what picture I'm talking about? So anyway, I love, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, so I love every, every time I kind of hear that, like what God says about the woman's seed or just talking to mm -hmm. the serpent about the woman's seed, I always think about that. But there was also another thing that, um, this is, this can kind of get up hot take too and i talked to chris <laughs> um, hard to, actually this is fault? not a take this is just me saying it's interesting okay so okay I'm, I'm, I'm not guilty of anything yeah, yeah. in verse 16 when god's talking to the woman and says unto the woman he said i will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee so like you know we see in scripture where like the the family order right we have christ as the head and then the husband and then the wife and then the children and everything like that and yeah. so i wonder if that was actually god's original god's original plan for this family outlook because now he's talking to the woman he says okay well now because of this this happened and you sinned the man's gonna rule over you kind of thing so yeah like, so actually i i actually have written a paper on this specific thing before what you just said, because that's what kind of stuck out to me. It's almost like this is when the patriarchy started hmm. because it created oh, this tension between yeah. Adam and Eve and not saying that Adam wasn't like the head of the household or anything, because obviously he was created first. Right. We see yeah, that yeah. in scripture. Right. But it almost was like this is when the tension started to where now there's this like wanting to dominate each other kind of thing. Yeah. And it, and, it, and it really is interesting how it starts at the very beginning as a consequence to breaking their connection with the Garden of Eden, with the eternal, and with God himself. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy just how much like creation changes when there's no God, right? It mm -hmm. becomes corrupted. You yeah. know what I mean? Anything else? Anything else stuck out to you, Press? No, that, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it for the most part, the biggest thing or the okay, obscure okay. thing, I guess. Yeah. Got you. Got you. No, that, that, that was, I actually really pointed that out. Um, I, I'm glad you pointed that. Cause that was kind of where I was going is, is it, it just seems like it's interesting 
these these curses, right? Because yeah. it, it seems like that's what they are. Is there consequences to them operating in a way they shouldn't? Mm-hmm. I also see like where you see working the ground has become hard work after this point, right? So it almost makes me think, is not, not saying that there wasn't work, but it almost sense like, you know, that drag between with work where you like, you feel like, why, like, I hate this, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like that wasn't there at the beginning. Yeah. And work may have been more enjoyable for us and more fulfilling, right? And if you really think about it, it's probably true because you were working with God. You were walking in the garden with him. It wasn't That's something true. that you were just doing solo, right? It wasn't something to survive. It was doing something for his purpose, right? Well, that's that's go good. Ahead, jump in, jump, in. Say, jump in there. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, and it seemed to be very missional too, because he gave them. We talked about this. Was it last time about the they were they were tending the garden, they were cultivating the garden. Mm-hmm. And when you cultivate it, you're causing it to grow. And it seemed like the idea was that their their purpose in working was to spread Eden throughout the earth, to be yeah. fruitful and multiply, to spread themselves and Eden throughout the earth. And so this work had a purpose to it. Whereas now, I mean, besides survival, a lot of our working schedule or nine to five or whatever, beyond just making enough substance to live, doesn't yeah. really have a purpose. No, you're right. You're right. Especially when it's outside of God. Like yeah. it, it kind of, it drains you too. 100%. And you can see like through with people just in general, like, Depression is super high, especially in this year. Depression, yes. like, and suicides are high this year. And it almost like when you don't have purpose, life at some points becomes pointless. And it's kind of yeah. it's kind of scary and, and sad, honestly. Um, one last thing that I want to point out is 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 shame. This mm. idea of shame enters mankind right here, because uh, and originally they were they were guiltless, right? They didn't have any shame. And as soon as they sin, right, what's the first thing they do? They sew fig leaves together and hide themselves because they're, they're naked and they feel ashamed of themselves. Hmm. So that's, that's something that I took. What, what do you guys think about that? I, I agree 100%. Um, what's it say? When God asked them where they are and he asked them why they hid, um, they said they were afraid. Yeah. Do you think that's where like fear of God comes into like this separation type thing where, because obviously we see in scripture to fear the Lord and it's like a reverence, Mm -hmm. but like, I I know in my lifetime, I've had like unhealthy fear of God. Yeah. Do you think that's where this stems from? Mm, Like the unhealthy fear? Yeah. Like the unhealthy fear. Just like the concept, the fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. Exactly. Not that concept, just fear, like the unhealthy fear. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, Oh, now I see God as I'm afraid of this person, this being. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What do you think, Preston? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because like what, what sin, when you're exposed to your sin, that immediately brings fear. Like once you realize the weight of your sin, that's good stuff you know, um, and you come to realization and the Lord convicts you of your sin, like there's a part of you that really is fearful of the wrath of God. And that's what happened. That's, that's good. The, the no, that's first a, thing, that's like they were exposed to their sin. They realized what they had done wrong. And then they realized, Oh, God is perfect. Yeah. And we are not. And for some reason, like they didn't have the Bible, like we did, obviously. So for some reason, like they knew 
we are not perfect anymore and we are in trouble of some kind of wrath from God, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Wow. I didn't even think about it like that. So, so let, let's, let's do like a, um, just a synopsis of what's happening in the story right now. Um, Chris, go ahead and jump in that before we jump okay. into our next portion. Okay. So the whole background is creation accountant, Genesis one. Then we see inside of creation, God does this other thing. He creates a garden, a beautiful garden, places man in that. And in that man finds his purpose. He's naming the animals. He's, he's making dominion. Then God through them out of the man makes his perfect help meet for him. And together they are cultivating and they seem to have started out on the journey that God's placed them. Then we arrive at chapter three and we zoom in on this very specific story or, um, or circumstance or whatever that happens in the garden. And Eve is approached by this serpent character, right? The serpent, the very, the whole premise of this chapter is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's, that's the whole focal point here. And, and then man's relation to obeying God and his command, you can eat of anything in the garden that you want, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of that, you'll surely die. The first thing we see is we see the serpent coming up at the very beginning of chapter three and says, did God really mean that? And then this dialogue between the woman and serpent, and then she sees it, she eats it, she gives to the man, and then the consequences of that. And so it's like, you, you take the command, don't, you can eat of anything but that tree. And then that command is uh, zoomed in on in the story of chapter three, we see uh, the challenge to that command by this rebellious creature, the serpent, that we really don't know yet, at least in this part of Genesis, who that is. Just well, yet. let's 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 jump onto that idea. Like okay. what what is going on with this serpent? Right. Because, um, like, obviously, this serpent is different than the serpents we think about. Right. This serpent right. can obviously talk. Mm. It moves like we differently than a normal serpent that we think about. Right. 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 So it, it almost it almost lends itself. And, and I'm again not trying to jump into to hot takes, this, but it almost seems like it's a spiritual being in this sense, possibly. And if that is the case, then we can see some sort of spiritual fall has happened. Is that am I am I, am I yep. crazy or am I yep. going down the right way? Oh, no, I, I I don't think so. I, there are some different opinions, though. Mm hmm. On this, you do have some people that take the opinion that animals potentially could have had whatever, like Narnia, could have, all, could have had the possibility, but the, the potential to talk, okay, before the fall, all right, okay, and that this right. was just a specific Fair. creature, okay, because you'll, you'll you have some of those people that will just take the, the immediate context of Genesis and be like, well, it says it's a serpent, so it's a serpent, yes, right. Um, then you have your, the take that you're saying, which I tend to agree more with is that this was the serpent. Yes, but it's a spiritual being. And one of the, one of the reasons why I feel comfortable with that is because I believe it's, is it the book of revelation that rep that references Satan and it refers to him as that old serpent okay, so in it's the like book of revelation, connecting that idea that this was, yes, that, that this is the same guy got it uh that did that and so i yeah i i tend to believe that or i know i do that this was a spiritual being um that was um directly knowingly opposing the command of god for some reason interesting and Press if it was think. go ahead no i yeah I, I mean i really don't have anything to add too much on okay. that that was interesting there, there in this in this article that i 
pulled up. It, it talks a little bit about this more on the physical side of what this is more than the spiritual side. But yeah, um, it says now the serpent was not always what it is today. It didn't always writhe along the ground. That is a part of the result of the curse living in the dust, eating the dust. What its mode of propelling itself was, we really don't know whether or not it was in an erect position, whether or not it even had the cap or capacity to fly. We really don't know. But Satan coming in the form of a certain, first of all, questioned the word of God, hath God, and then it goes on to. Okay. Okay. So they're, they're kind of taking a more physical, yeah, like, like almost, um, almost like it was a different, it was the same creature. It just had different characteristics. Right. right? If we think of a snake, it's probably, you know, when I think of a serpent, I think of a snake, you know, it's probably going to look completely different than what we imagine. A so more like, like a lizard, you would say, like, like, obviously we don't know. Well, but like, if, if you look, I don't know if you ever saw that. Well, you didn't do a Becca, did you? I did not. I did not. Okay. No. So the Becca Bible uh, classes always had the little like cards or what, not the cards, yeah. the things. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, there one for Adam and Eve and the serpent is this like red serpent, the snake, and it has arms and legs. So a dragon. That's what you're saying. Here. I basically <laughs> like it, you know, like a four foot little red dragon. <laughs> Mushu from Mulan. That's Mushu. Ah, Mushu. Dang it. I love Mushu. That's it. A dishonor on you, dishonor <laughs> on Eve, dishonor on humanity. <laughs> That's what that was happening. Okay. That's right. Um, okay, so let's 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 do this. Let's move on to different views of Genesis 3. Mm. So let's go to some prominent figures. I know you guys have have brought some, and let's just kind of look at how they interpret Genesis three. Okay, so this says, and I'll, let me just read it. Chapter three introduces a cataclysmic changes into the ideal scene of chapters one and two. A new character introduced introduce the serpent. Uh, his seditious nature and purposes are evident in his role as the great deceiver who challenges the goodness of God head on. Adam and Eve are not helpless victims of some persuasive force, but rather collaborators in evil. So, and then it, then it goes on to say, after first sin in chapter three, humanity changed in a number of ways. Okay, so that's kind of what they're jumping in their synopsis there. But now let's talk about this fall. Let, let's dive into viewpoints about that specifically. Okay. So the classic view on the fall of man, and I think this is um, across the board in Orthodox Christianity, is you're going to have, whether it's Eastern Orthodox and the Coptics to Catholics to, to Protestant Christianity, you're going to have this understanding that the fall of man affected the change for all of humanity, that sin entered the world through the fall of Adam. Um, that because of the fall of Adam, that all inherit some type of inclination or nature that leads them, directs them, guides them, pushes them, that desire sin. Now, things start to differentiate, especially with Eastern Orthodox, Catholics, and Protestants, in that particularly Reformed Protestants, and by Reformed Calvinists, okay, and not just Lutherans, which I think they would agree on this too. Anyone, anybody that takes an Augustinian view, okay, from St. Augustine, they're going to see not just that man inherits a sin nature, right, an immense overpopulation towards sin, but that man is and in, has inherited guilt, 
Adam's guilt. Okay. So an infant is born guilty of sin. Okay. Okay. We're, we're going to get, we're going to get to the final have sinned in Adam. Got it. Okay. That's extensive. Yeah. We're going to get that's, really, that's, that's yeah. I'm so excited. Th so that's the general. So you, you'll go to like, um, and this is going to be an overgeneralization here, but in general, you'll go to some Protestants, definitely Catholics, most of them, if not all of them and Eastern Orthodox, um, because we always forget about the, our Eastern brothers, right. And the Coptic Christians, we just like to think in, Catholic reform. We don't ever think about these guys over here, um, but they matter just as much. Um, they definitely believe man is inclined and has a sin nature and, and wants and will pursue sin, but they do not necessarily believe that because an, even though an infant has a sin nature and will sin, that that infant is guilty substantially of the sin of Adam. Cause I know you, you said a lot there and I got most of it. Um, but let's really define like who believes what, cause I, I think that'll be helpful for those following okay. along. So like okay. meaning, meaning just right. like, um, if we're talking about inherited sin, like yes. which group believes what? Okay. Let's, so, let's spider web. Um, this thing. The spider web, this thing. Okay. <laughs> Was that a, a plug for the new Spider-Man yeah, movie coming out? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're uh, sponsored <laughs> by the MCU. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Sorry. Um, okay, so particularly in Reformed thought, that's going to be Calvinist. So some, some tangible ideas, for, if, if people aren't familiar with that, Presby the Presbyterian Church, anything that says Presbyterian on it is going to fall under this Calvinist. Um, not all Baptists, because some Baptists, you actually have free will Baptists who will be uh, who don't necessarily agree with everything that's Calvinist, but you have several Calvinists like John MacArthur, um, John Piper, who are Baptists, but they're Calvinists, okay. right? Okay. Um, you have the Reformed Church, the RCA, Reformed Church of America, I think. Okay. Um, and anything that falls under that Calvinist Reformed camp is going to believe this. Okay. And not only, not only have we inherited a sin nature, that is what is a sin nature? That is who we are as people. We love sin and we drive, we, we, we pursue it. We want it. We desire it. Okay. okay. That nature, but we've also inherited the guilt of Adam's sin. So regardless of whether you've actually committed a actual like substantive, I can point to a time in a one-year-old's life and say, Oh, you lied. Right. That kind of thing. I can't do that. Nevertheless, that infant is guilty or that, that child infant, that's a little bit too uh, charged that child is guilty of sin by default of being a human who's a descendant of Adam. Okay. 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 Does you see so, the difference? Yes. On that one? Okay. Okay. I okay. want to make sure I, I communicate it. that clear because there's a lot of, yeah, know, so there's a lot of nuances in this conversation that we're going. Yes. Um, but let, but what would the opposite view be? Let's, okay. Now let's focus on that. So now you're going to get more. And then, then, and this is kind of like a scale. Because okay. you're going to have people who, who will agree with that statement, but don't necessarily agree with all the precepts of Calvinism. Okay. Okay. So that could be more like Southern Baptist, missionary Baptist, which you can find Calvinists in them too, right? Even, hey, there's even a huge amount of charismatics right now that right. are Calvinists. Sure. Sam Storms, Matt Chandler, John Piper, um, uh, the list goes on. Um, but anyways, so it's a grading scale. So you have some people kind of like that in the middle, non-denominational types, 
uh, Southern Baptist, any, a lot of Baptist types um, who will take some of the points of Calvinism, like this one, the inherited uh, sin nature, but also the, the uh, inherited guilt of sin, sure. right? And they'll do that. You'll even find that in a, across the board evangelically, excuse me, for the most part. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get too specific with all these groups because there are a myriad of Protestant groups, as we all know that. Jumping way over to the other side to, to Catholics, uh, as far as I can understand, if there's any Catholics watching this, please forgive me if I misrepresent. I don't want to mischaracterize anybody. Yeah, for sure. Um, but as far as I understand with Catholics, I don't believe that Catholics take the view, at least most, they're, they're, there's probably some, I don't believe most Catholics take the view that children are inherit the actual guilt specific guilt of sin yes they inherit the sin nature and they are driven towards sin they want sin they'll be towards sin and they're saved by god's grace to deliver them from that but they don't have the actual guilt of sin hanging over them and okay. I, I really hope i'm explaining this well and okay. that would be the same thing with orthodox too okay um is that eastern orthodox serbian orthodox russian orthodox romanian orthodox greek orthodox um those guys okay so let's jump into that so obviously we have just this first issue of inherited sin. Yeah. Right. Let's, let's, let's jump into that. Why, why, um, and let's not jump into our opinion, but let's, let's really try to understand what the, the Calvinist view is from the, these specific people and the opposite view. So they would say, and correct me if I'm wrong and Preston, just jump in here whenever they would say, because Adam and Eve sinned, now every person on earth is born with the guilt as a, 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 of Adam, right? So they are come out of the womb as a sinner, meaning they, if they die at that point, they will whatever go to hell. Is that is that is that a correct stance there? Well, yeah. If you die in sin, you would go to hell, correct? Without the without the grace of Christ. Like so, let's say if a baby, like a baby, is born born and then dies right like immediately they would say and, and i'm i'm trying to understand they would yeah. say that this baby has is has gone to hell because they haven't received the grace of jesus christ uh that gets a little bit more tricky okay okay so yeah, um, I wouldn't, it's not I wouldn't that. necessarily say an automatic like a view of inherited sin would be an automatic thing to believe okay if an infant dies they're going to hell. they're definitely i think that's where like the grace of God comes in. Like, okay, where does God's grace fit okay. into this in, okay. in the realm of like age of accountability sure, kind of thing. So like, I wouldn't necessarily an automatic view of inherited sin automatically believes, okay, that person believes that a baby, Got it. A baby dies. So there's, okay. So there's some, some essential, like, okay, they're not of age. They don't right. understand. God's grace is, still in there some somehow okay know? okay and so the opposite view would be that we inherit when we're born a sin nature yeah meaning our desires want want sin not that we are sinners well i mean i guess like i get see this is well, where we'll see both believe in a sin nature okay both so, believe in the sin nature one of them believes you have a sin nature and you are inherently guilty of of the sin of Adam. The other believes you have a sin nature, but you aren't necessarily a, a child that's one years old that hasn't had the opportunity to, to sin. Is not, you see what, you see what I'm saying? Both accept yes. sin nature all, 
across the board. Okay, fair. Everybody fair. has the same nature. Yeah. So then I, I guess I'm having trouble understanding the difference between those two. Because because okay. they they yes, we would both hold the same position, wouldn't we, at that point? No. Because because how how not? So if you held the view of like we have the sin nature, yeah, right? Yeah. But we don't inherit the guilt of Adam. But yet the people that, that say that we inherit the guilt of Adam, but yet there's this weird age of, well, they don't, they're not going to be dealing with the consequences of sin at that point if they die, right? We're saying the same thing. We're just coming at it from different angles, right? Am I wrong? Help me, help me understand how I'm wrong. I think we get to, in many cases, I think we get to the same conclusion, but also I, there are people out there that believe, I think, that infants do go to hell okay yeah there are you yeah you're going to find a small group of people that especially that that are more hyper calvinists that believe that there is a real very real possibility that an infant that dies was not elect and okay by god's grace he chose for that person to for that infant to face the wrath of god Okay, so then it looks like we're getting into a deeper issue here. Oh, it's going to get deep. It's going to get deep. It's going to get deep. Yeah. It's going to get deep. Yeah. So let, let's go back to the fall, I guess. Okay. And, and, and before, we, before we go there, can you explain what, what Calvinists, like what they're, what they're about and what the different, because it seems like we're going there. The, a Calvinist, we're talking about, we're going to talk about probably the opposite of what a Calvinist is. And we're going to talk about different belief systems. Do you, before you do that, you want to kind of talk kind of in general about the scriptures on that? Because I have a verse here. I think it'd go be ahead. good. Yeah, go ahead. Do, do, that. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And so this is about the fall of man, okay. the entrance of sin and death into the world because of Adam. It's in Romans 5, okay. um, 12 um, through, let's uh, do Romans 12. Romans 5, 12, sorry. So then this is the NET. Is this okay? Okay. <laughs> so, so then, no, so then just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all people because all sinned. Okay. So that one man is Adam, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin. So death spread to all people because all have sinned. This is there's something interesting about this because you can interpret this three different ways. You can translate this, sorry, from the Greek three different ways. Are you ready? Sure. This is from the this is from the New English translation, and each translation affects things differently. Okay. All right. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. This is You're big. about to blow my mind. You're about to blow mind. your mind. This is from the notes of the New English translation. Okay. So only this is the phrase um, deaths death uh, spread to all people because all have sinned. So the NET says. Death spread to all people because all sinned. Does anybody have the ESV real quick? You want to read that? Let me pop it up. If you got it, Preston, just jump it. Yeah, it's right here. Genesis, or Romans what? Uh, 512. 512. <clears throat> Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. 
maybe it, that one's not that different. But anyways, um, you can probably find it in the NIV. Look at the NIV. This would be a cool homework thing. Look at the NIV, the KJV, the NKJV, and see how they translate this because these are three different ways that they can be be translated. I thought the NIV would maybe take a different route. Um, Wait, you said NIV or ESV? ESV. Okay, yeah, that's what yeah. I um, Sorry, that was a faux pas on my part, the NIV thing. It's okay, all right. Only That's a right. few major options can be mentioned here, okay? The phrase can be taken as a relative clause. It can be taken as resultive force, or it can be taken as causal in force. So the relative clause can be like this. The phrase can be taken as a relative clause in which the pronoun refers to Adam. Death spread to all people in whom all sinned, Okay. In other words, in Adam, when he sinned, this mystical thing happened that everybody in Adam sinned because everybody descends from Adam. So everybody now is guilty of the sin of Adam. Which would be inherited sin. Inherited sin inherited guilt, sin. yes. Um, yeah. The second one can be consecutive or resultative force. Death spread to all people with the result that all sinned okay so death comes to all people and because of that all are sinning now because death is here oh right death is causing this okay okay and the third one is the causal and fourth death spread to all people why did death spread through all people because all people sinned so death enters the world through adam but now it's not just adam sinning now everybody's sinning and death is spreading from Adam to everybody else. Okay, so that's really nuanced. And it's interesting that it's the same Greek. Mm -hmm. But it's just how you translate that specific. Yeah, Greek. right. That's, that's it's super important. Nuanced. No, because uh, it, it, it's, it's complete different view systems, right? And the, the, yeah, and the uh, NIV, sorry, the ESV, I keep wanting to say NIV. The NSV and the, the ESV and the uh, NET translate the same way. I'd be interested to see what the KJV says. I'm going to grab the NIV, see what it says. The KJV says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Then the NIV is, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So they seem to they seem to all have a very similar translation into the English, at least. But if I'm if I'm not mistaken, uh, Saint Augustine in the fifth or fourth century, okay, he's he took this idea of the the second option. He took this idea of the second option where all in him all have sinned and he took that and formulates it into this idea that okay not only do we inherit this this inclination this nature towards sin but we inherit this guilt because in adam it's kind of like the idea of posit it's kind of like the idea of when melchizedek blesses um abraham right i believe it's in the book of um Hebrews. Hebrews, where it talks about Levi's seed was in Abraham because out of Abraham comes Isaac and then Isaac comes Jacob sure, and Jacob sure. and the patriarchs and then all the way down to Levi, right? Yeah. Um, or Jacob, I guess Levi would be Jacob's, wasn't Jacob's son? Um, 
And so the idea is that because Melchizedek blessed Abraham, uh, Levi was directly blessed through him to start the priestly order. Okay. And so the idea is that because of Adam's sin, all humanity has not come yet, but they eventually would come through the descendants of Adam. So we are all inherently guilty of that sin through Adam because he committed it. Okay. So like, these are very, these are very obviously drastically different theologically. Yes. Right. But they sound the same. What I'm meaning. Oh, 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 oh. You know what I'm saying? So like, like they, I, I can see the differences. Yeah. But when I'm thinking about them, I'm like, well, they're basically saying the same thing, but they're not completely. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so help me, help me and explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. <laughs> help me. Good luck. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't have that brain. Take, tear it away. Take, take it away. No, I, no, 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 no. This is, this is your rodeo, man. I, um, okay. Let's see. So. Death spread to all people in whom all have sinned the first one. So this is the idea of an inherited guilt because of something my, to the umpteenth degree grandfather committed. I'm guilty of what he did. Sure. Got okay. that. Got that. I guess um, what I'm, I'm struggling with is the opposite view. Oh, the opposite view. The opposite view is that because of Adam, Adam sins and he opens the door and death comes into the world. So death okay. causes us to sin? That's the second one. Yes. The second view is the phrase can be taken as consecutive results of the force, force translated like this. Death spread to all people with the result that all sinned. Interesting. And then the third one is death spread to all people because all sinned. So the idea in that third idea is that Adam sins. He brings that into the world. And so now you have this option, this knowledge of good and evil Everybody inherits that knowledge of good and evil through Adam, right? And now when they give into that and they sin, because now we're inheriting the sin nature, uh -huh. death comes to them as well. Okay, I got it. Okay. Okay, I think I understand. And so one is without any action, period, as a life, as a living being, a living human, I am guilty of the sin of Adam. The other is I, and then the, the other one is I simply inherit the sin nature and inclination to evil and sin by Adam. And now because death is here and sin is here, I'm eventually, I am going to run towards that. Got it. Okay. I think I, I got it. What I, I do, it. I'm guilty. So let me see. Let me, let me, let me try to explain it back. And, and then okay. we'll jump to what's the result of this. Whew, I don't I know think... if I'm doing a really good job. This is no, it's okay. You're doing fine. You're doing fine. But what I think you're saying, and when I, what I'm understanding is one is saying, and this, this is the, the Calvinist view that because Adam sinned, we all are sinners. It doesn't matter what we do. As soon as we're born, we are sin. We are in sin and we yeah. need redemption, right? That's what they're saying. Yeah. Well, okay. And yeah, yeah. The ob and what I'm hearing, the, the other view is we inherit a nature of sin and not saying they don't say that either, right, but right, we right. inherit that because when death entered the world and the knowledge of good and evil, yeah. it's almost like in this, it's almost like this sense of we are reasoning for ourselves. Therefore we choose evil because we are reasoning for ourselves. Um, Am I explaining Is that, is that close to what you're saying? Um, well, it is definitely an inherited, like think of like genetics kind sure. of thing. 
inherited genetics and you're inherited this spirit of rebellion, but you haven't participated in that rebellion yet. Got it. But as we reason through it and as we grow, we will, we we will. will because yes. that's at that point, we are attempting to, in a, in a sense, become gods, right? Yeah, yeah. We do the same thing Adam does. Okay, okay, okay. I think I understand it, but let's talk about at the end okay. here. And sorry, we got lost in the weeds there. Let's talk about the result of this. Both of them, there, there needs to be a solution to reconnect and reconcile with God. Yes. That's clear. The problem is, this is the problem that both of them, all across the spectrum, from one extreme to the other, except, right, unless you get out of, into heterodoxy and heresy, that's a different story, okay? But those that lie within orthodox thing, inheriting this, the, the sin nature, the fallen nature, an inclination to sin, or going all the way to say that, plus you're, as an infant conceived in the womb, you are guilty of the same sin that Adam committed in the garden. Sure. Okay, kind of thing. All of those agree that there we are separated from God because of that sin. Adam's kicked out of the garden. Sure. We're separated from God. There sure. has to be reconciliation with God or the full effects of death are going to destroy us. That's okay. the end result. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I think I, I think I get that. Okay. Where are we going? Next? <laughs> my question. Where are we going okay. next? Where are we going next? Like with the with the podcast or about the topic? <laughs> yes, because I feel like we're hung up on this one issue, and yeah. I don't know. I don't know how we resolve it in this. Area. I don't know if we can because this is listen, listen. This is something that the church has been wrestling with um, for a long, 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 long time. Okay, a very long time. Um, I think at this point, obviously. Um, I don't think we're going to find a resolution in this. We, I mean, we can give our opinions right on it. Sure. Sure. But um, I, I, I really want to go back to, if we're saying that, that God in, we inherited sin. And if we're saying yeah. we didn't inherit sin, then we, I think we need to go back to the beginning yeah. in creation of what caused us to sin or what caused us to fall. Right. Oh yeah. Cause I feel like that's where the logical conversation would go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we did inherit sin, well, how did we inherit this sin? You know what I mean? And and why yeah. did Adam sin in the first place? Yeah. Right. Um. And then, but I think that's where the conversation needs to go. Okay. Back to okay. back to the okay. let's talk about it. All right, let's do it. Okay. So we have different, very different opinions, and I'm sorry if I've ruined that whole conversation. Oh no, not at all, dude. We talked about some heavy stuff. Yeah, I, I, I feel I ready think, to talk about. <laughs> I feel like super dumb. I feel super dumb right now. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is, we we have these different viewpoints of Calvinists and 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 the opposites, right? Yeah. What are Calvinists saying about God with the fall? Oh, that's where I want to go. Okay, you get what I'm saying? Because okay. what what are we saying oh, about okay. the fall? What and not saying that obviously I'm kind of giving away what I think, but. Yeah. What are we saying about the fall when with God? Interesting. So, okay. So we just talked about then kind of the inheritance, the result of the rest of humanity for that, but you're like, okay, what's God's role in this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, anybody want to jump into that first? Cause I felt like I've done a lot of talking um, so far. Preston, we've talked more. You talk. Jump yeah, in. no, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed just sitting back and listening. So <laughs> I'll, I'll go to this article again, which is not from a reformed guy. It's from, uh, what was it? Charles Smith. No, Chuck, Chuck Smith, Chuck Smith. Yeah. 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 Um, 
you know, that started Calvary Chapel and everything. And um, this is his article on the fall. And so he, he, he kind of talks about God's role in this a little bit. Um, <clears throat> he says, now it is interesting that it was by the tree that man lost his fellowship with God. The choice, free choice of the tree that man lost his fellowship with God. It is also interesting that you still have a free choice. And there are still two trees, the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we are always blaming Adam for making the wrong choice. But what about us? Who can we blame for the choices we make? God has provided again another tree, a tree whereby that which was lost by Adam's sin can be regained by our obedience. That's good. I love that line. That was okay, really pause, good. Pause. This, okay, so this is what I was missing, right? One of them is saying that Adam is the reason we are in the place. The others are saying, no, we are deciding in that, right? Because it's all about the choice there. Right, right, right. I feel like that's what I was missing in the last argument with free. It was like the talk of free will here. Yeah. Because okay. it seems like the opposite side that we inherit sin seems like there is no, like we didn't do anything with that. That yeah, was yeah. that was chosen for us in a sense. Mm. Whereas the opposite view, like you just read from, uh, what was his name? Uh, Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith is, is we, he just argued this, that yes, Adam sinned, but what is our role in the sin as well? Mm -hmm. Right? So just jump back there. Go ahead and keep reading. Well, then he goes on. The cross of Jesus Christ, the tree up upon which he was crucified, is the door that can lead a man back to God. But you must choose to come by that tree. <clears throat> God does not force you. Even as Adam exercised that capacity of free choice and eating of the tree going away from God, God has ordained that you must exercise that capacity of choice by partaking of that tree of life through Jesus Christ and coming into fellowship with God. It's your choice, but the provision is made through the second tree, the cross of Jesus Christ to reverse the process of Adam. Okay. So basically, I mean, basically I think in layman's terms, like Adam screwed it up for all of us, but it's up to you to fall after the tree that Jesus Christ died on to save you you know okay so then now we're getting into a whole different idea here right is now it's up to you right whereas i i feel like if, if i'm wrong if i'm wrong here calvinists wouldn't say that right what right. would they say let's well, get into that let's just get into it want to dive into it let's just di just dive into the different viewpoint because we're there we we're already there. we started there with with the whole like inheritance in nature we started okay. well we so got it we if we're going to do that, we got to talk about this free choice thing that Chuck Smith says. Let's do it. Because he said Adam had the free choice. Okay. The, he made the free choice, right? Is that what he says? Yeah. Um, and I'll just read from John Calvin's. I want to go back to something. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Pulling that up. Um, you know, for me, like, it seems like when you, when it comes to inherited sin or just born with the sin nature it's like one is i know they're not the same but the result is the same the conclusion's the same and like chris says there needs to be a like a um a cure or what i can't remember what word you use but um yeah. something like a cure. to be reconciled right right but yeah. it's like one's basically saying okay you've already sinned because of someone else's fault and the other one is basically just saying the source which is your heart, which is evil, 
is going to sin. Like both are condemnable. Yeah. You know, like you're, you know, no matter which one, which way it is, like you're damned either way, you know. Fair point, fair point. The, the fair heart point. may have not, you have may not committed the act of sin, but the source of where that sin is going to come from is evil. So it really doesn't matter. That okay. reminds me of James, the book of James, when he says, when we're tempted, don't say you're tempted from God, because it, he talks about when you are tempted, you're doing what comes from it within you. Right. Okay. Okay. So then um, what would, would the opposite view then, would they not hold that sin is inside of them? Oh, no, 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 no. Both of them would say that okay. because one, one view, but it's like this, it, it comes down to, it's almost not quite splitting hairs, but it's, it's close uh, because they'll both say you inherit this evil heart or this inclination towards sin. Okay. But one of them says you are in fact guilty of the Adam sin because everyone sinned in Adam. Okay. Whereas the other one says, even though your heart is wicked and you will go after sin, you're not necessarily guilty of committing any sin yet. Okay. So it's like splitting hairs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, gotcha, at, gotcha. at the end of the day, both people are going to sin. Like, and right, and the period. remedy is still the same of Jesus. The remedy is, yes. Right. Yes. Okay. 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 Well, and so we're talking about, you talk about that, that bringing up that free choice. And so this is a, a dividing line in thought processes um, between uh, this free will versus Calvinist um, debate. This is what, what's Calvinist. the opposite of free will. What, what is that? What um, well, I think, man, it gets so, I, I realized something really quick studying this. It gets so like muddy, wordy, yes, yeah. muddy. Yeah. Um, because you'll have, for example, Calvinist thought, and it works off of a certain frame, a frame, a foundation framework, but then the way that they word things, right. It's almost like on the surface, it doesn't look like what it is kind of thing. Okay. Right. And the same thing with Arminians, good, uh, yes. different groups or whatever. That's what I want uh, to say. Uh, so I think what we should do on this podcast is yeah. when we say something, let's define it. Okay. Because so, so we know which framework we're coming from and yes. are talking about. If we're jumping on that Calvinist framework, let's say this is what they would mean, or this okay. is the definition of that. I am no longer going to speak anymore. <laughs> we're going to define things. every single thing. <laughs> okay, uh, not, 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 not to the extreme level. Obviously, not okay. the. You don't need to define the. I'm just meaning when, like. I think when all three of us are talking about free will, we're talking about the free choice to choose between different things. And that God has not um necessarily forced us to make a decision or de or um or in his divine predestination pre the, we we don't understand predestination to be that every single thing that we do was orchestrated and, pre and predestined by god we do okay. believe in predestination but that's not how we understand it we believe that god gives us the free agency by his grace to choose between right and wrong got it okay is that is that yeah, fair yeah, yeah. is that okay. fair yeah um Okay. Um, anyways. All right. So this is, so we're talking about God's um, relation to um, the fall of man, the right? The fall of man. The, the okay. big, and the big what, thing. What you read right about Chuck Smith says from Calvary Chapel, it takes a very Arminian position, um, says that Adam and his free choice, mm -hmm. is that right? Chose to rebel against God. This is from John Calvin, the namesake of Calvinism. Okay is calvin's institutes okay, okay. chapter 23 <laughs> this section eight <laughs> this sounds super anti-calvinist right here Whoa. but it's great it's fine me? you would say that about me <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go <laughs> this is john calvin himself 
-hmm. Here they recur to the distinction between will and permission. He's talking about, uh, did God permit Adam to eat from the fruit and Eve to eat from the fruit, or did he will it to happen? Okay, that's an interesting right? distinction. Okay. And by will for, for, for Calvin, if he says God willed it, it's going to happen. Got it. Got okay. it. The object being to prove that the wicked perish only by permission, but not by the will of God. But why do we say that he permits? Uh, why do we say that he permits, but just because he wills? Nor indeed, is there any probability in the thing itself that man brought death upon himself merely by permission and not by the ordination of God, as if God had not determined what he wished the condition of the chief of his creatures to be. I will not hesitate, therefore, simply to confess with Augustine that the will of God is necessity and that everything is necessary which he has willed, just as those things will certainly happen which he has foreseen. And then this is from that same chapter, the first man fell because the Lord deemed it meet that he should. That is okay. So that's an interesting framework because what, what they're saying from what I'm understanding is yes. God said that a man was going to fall. Yes. And they fell. Yes. It was God's will. It was God's perfect pleasure and will. That's completely okay. So I feel like we're at opinions, right? We're at we're at our opinions, and obviously we can jump back to the, the sources, mm -hmm. but it's completely different than how I would view the framework. This this whole framework. Yeah. What do you guys think? What? what well, how hey, many? Hey, no, dig into that. Dig into that. I want I want to hear your um, because because uh, the way I would say is is I, I don't know that to me when you say that God intended that man would fall. Yeah. To me, that puts in question the character of who God is. Mm. And what, but what I mean by that is, so what are we saying? Let's really boil this down. God intended because I, I guess he loves man. And we'll say love here because if he, if he was like, you're going to sit. love, please. Yeah, let's find <laughs> love. Yeah. love is love. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> because no, love for real, for real. Because if we're saying he loves creation and we say that God is love, yeah. How can we then go ahead and say that that this love is like, okay, you're going to fall. You're going to bring death on yourself, but it's okay. In 2,000, 5,000, 6,000, 100,000, whatever time period you want to think, I'm going to bring my son back and my son, and I'm going to correct the wrong that you did or that I willed you to do, right? To me, like, what kind of love is that? What is that saying about humanity is that, and then it's saying, okay, so then all these other people mm. that that do not believe as Israelites or that are even grafted in and now believe Jesus Christ, what is that saying about them? Okay, so God is willing, right? Because this is what this boils down to. God yeah. is willing them that, okay, they're not going to believe in Christ. They're right. not going to believe, right? right? Because that train of thought, he said, God's will necessitates that it will happen. Like yeah. God cannot will something that won't happen. To me, it makes it seem like, and, and, and I could be wrong here, but obviously, but it makes me seem like God is evil in my eyes. Mm. And I can't get past that. Like, like you're saying that God from the very beginning, like wanted us to fall mm. just so he could flex. Like that makes no sense. 
like oh, I'm God, even though he's already created us and he, we know he's God. Right. But now you want to say, <laughs> I'm God even more, right? Let me see myself <laughs> down. And like, that doesn't make sense. What do you guys think? I'm, I'm talking to you. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, that's, I've never heard that quote from Calvin. And I think, I honestly, it's hard for me to believe that most reformed people would take that literal from Calvin, even okay. though Calvin said it. Yeah. And they'll quote Calvin a lot. But I mean, you talk to any reformed guy now, most, I mean, 95%. Yeah. And you ask, okay, did God, did God create sin? Did God, they'd say no. What, what would they say? They, I mean, they would, they would think similar to us in the sense of like man's responsible for sin. But where I have the issue is, well, that's not consistent with their theology later down the road. Yeah. Right. So yeah. they can say, no, God didn't create sin, but their theology kind of dictates like behind a curtain, God kind of created sin, you know, explain, so, explain so that I, a bit further. Explain. So, so down the road, you said that their theology gets inconsistent. Like how? Well, because I mean, they'll, they, they predestined, they, they'll say God, it's God's will for some people to go to hell. And if God, it's, you know, God sending Christ, he, he, one way, or they'll say one way God brings glory to himself or shows his glory is by showing his wrath. Mm. So therefore God, in order to show his wrath, well, he's condemning people, you know? So, I don't know if you just take the whole the doctrine of election um, and how they define election. How would they define it? Let, they let, would, let, well, they would define it as God predestines individuals to be saved or not to be saved, not based on their own merit or anything, just by God saying, okay, this person's saved, this person is not saved. So would they and, say like, because to me that sounds like, it sounds like they're creating Israel again. It really does, right? Because it seems like they're like, okay, so God cares about this section of people, mm. right? Well, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know because I push back on that because I think, I think my personal viewpoint is more like Israel where God had, and Chris and I have talked about this before, where God mm -hmm. elects a group mm -hmm. to carry out his plan. So okay. now, like, you can look at the church as kind of like Israel. God has ordained and elected the church to carry sure, out his sure. plan, right? But what they'll do is they'll take that into that idea of election and predestination to the individual person. Yeah. So I meant it more in the sense of, like, God has chosen this specific family, and he's, like, willing out. Yes, I see the church as that same thing, yeah. but how they're arguing it is they're arguing both sides here. Yeah. The church is, in a sense, Israel. Right. right. But now they're saying these individual families and lineages are also Israel. Well, well I don't think that's a necessarily, uh, I think there are Calvinists that believe that, but that is not a, that's not one of their things. Calvinist. Uh, okay. Okay. Others. Um, I, I did want to say, I want to say one thing about the, the double predestination. So double predestination is the belief of a group of Calvinists that God predestines some to be saved and he predestines the rest to be damned. Okay. Now there are other Calvinists that will say only part of that. God only predestines the elect. And they'll say that. And, and I appreciate the good heartedness of that, but it's kind of like trying to have your cake and eat it too. 
Like if you say that God, okay, yeah, okay, fine. You are not saying that God predestines arrested to predestines arrest to damnation, but you still are saying that God only predestines the elect. In other words, God only gives opportunities to the elect, and therefore the elect are the only ones that are going to be saved. So yes, even if you say that, that still necessitates that God willfully ignores this group of people. And if you willfully ignore that, you've made the decision to damn the rest too. And it's, just, it's one and the same. Yeah, okay. I, think it, I think where it also gets inconsistent with like God creating sin is because um, in that, what Chris just said, I just, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, uh, they'll say, um, oh gosh. Okay. never mind. I, it'll come back to me, but okay. Well, right well, there and was, well, <laughs> and here's another part dealing with the text we're talking Go about. Ahead. Go ahead. God says in chapter two of Genesis, sure. reeling this thing back in, he says in verse um, 16, the Lord God commanded, he commanded the man, you may freely eat fruit from every tree of the orchard, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. Yeah. He commanded him to not do it. So, so, so yeah, if, what's that saying about what's that saying? What God's doing? That's what I'm saying. Yes. If you if you take if you say God says this to Adam, but then God because this is this is a not I'm not all Calvinists, but some Calvinists will admit, okay, God has a secret will. God has a will that's revealed in His Word, and then God has a secret will that is not above that is above our ways of understanding. But there's a there's an ethical problem here because God is saying, Adam. You can't do this because when you do, you're going to die. But in the background, God's going, do I'm it. the one that's going to make do it. it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> no, it's not just do it. No, it's God's going, all right, here you go, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I told you not to do it. What are you doing? <laughs> what? Hey, hey, here's God. Here's God. Here's Adam. Why are you running away from me? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's probably truly disrespectful. No, but like, but like, uh, like, so I know we're uh, talking. But that's literally what they're saying logically. Yes. Right? Because they're saying that God, because you look at the scripture, God is saying, don't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Mm. But then in their own words, they're saying God intended that Adam ate that fruit. Yeah. Right? Isn't that what based, they're saying? Based off what Calvin's quote is saying. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. But so, but so let's I jump just, off of that. Go ahead. Based off, I feel like what most Reformed people, at least Reformed Baptists, and kind of the more cool Reformed people, I guess I would say, Western Reformed people, like, they wouldn't say that God made Adam sin. Mm. I don't feel like. I, don't, I just don't think they would say, no, God didn't make Adam sin. Adam still sinned on his own, but then that's where, like, okay. So, well, so if, if they don't say that, then where do they get this idea of the elect? Like, where does that come from? Right? Because the, we can see where, where, where that comes from if they're saying that God intended the fall to happen because he was going to do this for his whole purpose so he could save a specific amount of people individually. Right? Yeah. yeah. That Because that was the goal. But where does this idea of like, okay, these specific people are good. And not, I'm not even meaning good or, or elect. Let's use their, their language here. And these people are not. Where does that even come from? 
like specifically like where they say it comes from yeah where do they say so because let's 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 put their point as much as possible because i want them fairly represented well they're Um, gonna usually go to like romans nine okay okay ephesians one yeah okay and where those are the key key passages talking about elect predestined and i think it's romans nine where god's or paul says god will have mercy on whom he'll show mercy and he'll have wrath on who he's going to show wrath you know okay basically like who are you to question what god's going to do here here is ephesians chapter one okay um uh, ephesians chapter one verse three blessed be the god and father in the esv blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through jesus christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace in which with which he has blessed us in the beloved so before the foundations of the world they'll take ephesians 1 3 through 6 and say before the foundations of the world he predestined the elect to be redeemed in Christ. The problem with that is, is if he did predestine the world to be elect in Christ before the foundations of the world, then he did will the fall. Yeah, right. you, you have to say that, right? Because yeah. to, stay if, consistent with it, yes. to stay consistent with it. To stay consistent with it, you're saying that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, then the sin is already inherent, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it has to happen regardless of, yeah. this person's will at all right god's will necessitates happening like it, it has to happen if god wills it because otherwise what's what 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 would happen like right because if he's not slain from the foundation of the world like and, and let's talk about that right if if he's not then then there's no point of god even saving mankind or even the fall happening right because they would argue that everything's pointed towards christ and Christ mm-hmm. dying on a cross. And so we can now limit that grace. See, and this is the problem um, because you start talking about God's will. And if God's will does necessitate everything, well, then what do you do with, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then you have to do gymnastics with the text and you have people who legitimately say, well, all does not mean all in that text. That means all of God's elect. Well, that, that I, I don't know. Cause couldn't they argue that that is God's intention. Well, I guess, no, they couldn't, right? No, they can't, because if God wills it, it has to happen. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, what, what do you think, Preston? I think, well, I think we're, you know, then, you know, for us that, like for me, that doesn't, that doesn't believe the Calvinist of Calvinistic thought on, you know, on a lot of things. Sure. You know, now it, well, you have to ask the question for me, like, or I have to ask myself, like, okay, was Jesus a part of God's original plan? Like Jesus dying, you know? And so like, that's something like, okay, if, was it, if it was a part of God's original plan for Jesus to die? So, so are we saying like, if we don't take this viewpoint, what do we do with the scripture? Is that what you're kind of saying? No, well, just what do we do? I mean, like just the thought and, because I believe obviously it was God's will for Christ to die. Mm-hmm. Right. 
But it was, it was God's will for Christ to die from the beginning. Right. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. Well, so now, let's, let's talk that God out. God knew that. God knew that Christ was going to have okay. to die. Okay. But it seems like, okay, God's original plan was for no death. Okay. Can I, can I, can I throw out a thought here? Yes. Yeah. God's original plan was for no death. Right. But if I could, if I could play this analogy and it's not perfect, if God knows every single outcome of every single decision, right? If he knows every decision, right? Does that mean he is directing his creation to choose every single decision? No, I would. Right? It doesn't necessitate that, right? Right. Because what what if God intent and if we're saying that, and I guess, are we saying this? Are you saying this that God intended that Jesus Christ died from the very beginning of creation? Is that is that what is that what you're saying? It's because this is hard, right? Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Like it almost sounds like, heresy okay. if you say no, God did not intend for Jesus. Correct. Hey, but to stay consistent with what we believe, kind of, <laughs> like you have to ask yourself that question: Was it God's original perfect plan for Christ to die? All right. So, because if it was, then I don't know. I, I think, no, you're right. If we're going down that train of thought, if, yeah, if it was intended hard. that God, uh, Jesus Christ was supposed to die, then you do see, okay, then there needs to be a fall. Because if Christ is going to die, there needs to be a fall. Because at that point, what is he dying for if there isn't? I've, right? So if I've we're being honest with ourselves from, from the opposite point of view of Calvinism, mm-hmm. like let's, let's really talk that. Okay. Let, let's dive into that. Because because it seems like we are even conflicted on that specific thing. I'm going to lean hard and I'm, I'm going to say God's original plan was not for man to fall. I'm going to lean hard and say God's original plan was for man to live in perfect harmony with him. That God knows all possible outcomes. And so however God's sovereignty works in that, God knew his son would die or could die. But I'm going to say that God's intention, original plan was for man not to fall. And if man didn't fall, the cross wouldn't have happened. Interesting. Okay. And there's a verse that we read, okay, in Revelations 13, and it says it, it traditionally, now this one is going to go this way. <laughs> okay. This is not going to be a, like a blip one. Okay. Go to Revelation 13. Um, go to the KJV. Revelation and then thir- what? 13, Revelation 13, verse 8. And then, Baba, you want to grab Revelation 13, verse 8 in the NIV? Sure, I got it. Okay, go ahead and read the NIV. Revelation what? 13, verse um, 8. Okay. Okay, 13, 8 in the NIV here. Yeah. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beasts, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Okay. You read it in the King James. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the lamb, in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Let me read that again. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. 
both of those say the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And the NLT says the lamb slain before the beginning or something like that. Okay. The NET right here, and then I'm going to read the ESV afterwards. Okay. The NET says, and all who live on the earth will worship the beast, everyone whose name has not been written since the foundation of the world in the book of life belonging to the lamb who was killed. That's vastly different. Extremely different. That's vastly different. Yeah. Let's go to the ESV. ESV verse eight, and all who dwell on earth will worship it, the beast, and everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the lamb, uh, in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. So one of them says, two of them, the KJV and the NIV says the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. Okay. Okay. The ESV says the book was written before the foundations of the world. Then the NET and other translations will say uh, those who were in the book that was written since the foundation of the world. One is, is Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundations of the world. Sure. Second one is, is there are, there's a book that was written before the foundations of the world of, of the elect. Essentially, that's what it is. It's the idea. The third one is, is there's been a book in existence from the foundation of the world and all those who are written in that book since the foundation of the world will not worship the beast. Three very different things. Jeez Louise. Okay. So let's sort through those. Okay. Oh my, I don't even know where to start. Um, so we we're have in the territory. We're not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting some deep territory. We, 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 I need my floaties. I... <laughs> Me too. I'm like, I'm like fight gas. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I feel like we, bo- we all three should be learning Greek right now. Yeah, we should. And we really you should be major. You're a master's. No, no, no. <laughs> well, no, that's what, second that's what master's. Like, okay. What it seems and what I'm getting is it seems like they're not that there's an in translation error. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that for whatever reason, there's disagreements in how you translate that specific Greek. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then that leaves me to question. Okay. So, if, and these are vastly different theological ideas. Yes. To me, it's like our Bible is filtered by English in our Western viewpoints. Mm-hmm. So I, it almost, it almost beckons us to be like, we got to go back. Yeah. That's what it, in my mind, we got to go back to knowing biblical Greek Mm-hmm. and biblical hebrew because otherwise we aren't reading our bibles correctly that's what i'm saying i don't know if that's that's correct argue no, with me argue I, with I, me. I, I don't know I, I, I would disagree but that's a whole different oh, whole help different me no, I, I disagree jump in there because no, i'm about I to know, agree with not, it. I, I don't um, know enough about it but. i'm i'm just gonna say this it's like we're at the mercy of translators Okay. And every day as believers, some of us just don't have time to jump into these, these issues. And so in faith, we take the word of God interpreted as it has been given to us by men and women of God who have translated it. If you have the opportunity though, as a minister, I do think, even if you don't do it on a, a professional degree level, Uh do everything you can to familiarize yourself with it. Because this is going to inform how we teach and preach. Honestly, and, and you could tell why we could get so vastly different theological frameworks yeah. if we haven't been reading the Greek and studying the Greek and Hebrew. Yes. Well, and right? I think, okay, for example, and we don't think about this, but this, this, is, this is true, <laughs> okay? 
KJV, um, when the King, when King James um, commissioned it, this was a time in the Anglican Church, if I remember correctly, that uh, Calvinism was very popular in Anglicanism. Not so much today, but at this time it was in the Church of England. Okay, so you see this translation crucified before the foundations of the world. The NIV is with Zondervan. Okay, Zondervan tends to have a higher rate of of reformed writers. Okay, or, or translators. Did not, not know all. Um, and so it's going to be before the foundation of the world. ESV definitely has a high population of reformed scholars. It doesn't say slain before the foundation of the world, which I think you can get around. It says in the book that was written before the foundations. Yeah, of the that's world. even stronger than the other. That's book. straight up. Here's a list of people's names that was created <laughs> before the world was ever created. Okay. You know who translated that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> I wonder, right? But what's funny is now, if I, you can look this up, John MacArthur, godly man, whatever, hundreds, if not thousands of souls have come into the kingdom because of him, yeah. but it's straight up Calvinist. Okay. No qualms about it. Like you don't wonder if John MacArthur's a Calvinist. He has master's seminary, right? In California. Yeah, he used to be the president. He used to be the president. He started that. Well, they're, they're working on a Bible translation. Okay. And his translators are all going to be Calvinists. Yeah. Of a particular flavor. And that is going to inform how they, in, they translate it. It just is going to. So I think we've gotten into a deeper discussion. Yeah. Because, yes, we, we, we argue with the finer points of Calvinism versus Arminianism versus monotheism versus all these other different frameworks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what but, I'm really hearing is that we're, we're, I don't want to say it, we're, we're informed or we have an inherent bias depending on who is translating this work. And you just said it, we're at the mercy of these translators. And depending on what framework they take, mm -hmm. they filter through, and that makes sense, right? If you really think about it, they filter yeah, through what sense. they think about the scriptures yeah. when they're writing it. So it seems like we, we, we have a deeper issue here than, than what is, what are we saying about the fall is saying we're like, we need to like learn Greek and Hebrew, right? <laughs> like, but, but let's think about it. Okay. Because okay. from our perspectives, it's easy for us to look at the reform guys and pick on them, especially because sure. you know, not, sure. none of us are Calvinists. I don't know yeah. if you've figured that out yet. None of us are Calvinists. <laughs> okay, right? yeah. We should have brought on a Calvinist to make we this. Should, we should do that. We, we should need do, to do that. that. So we can hound them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd love it. Come on. Come on bro. Bam, 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 bam. The whole time it's like a hit piece. No, because um, it, it makes sense for them to explain their positions instead of us. Absolutely. Because we're going to mischaracterize it because we obviously have biases against correct that being said it's easy for me to be like of course you translated it like that you're a calvinist yeah. but honestly i have i'm a human just like they are right. i deal with struggle with the same sin nature that they deal with so if even though i and i am that's my goal is to go through seminary and get and my my focus is languages greek and, and greek and hebrew um i'm gonna have to work through my own biases too you're right you're right and I'm just as capable of going in there and wanting to be like, oh man, I want this to have an Arminian take on it. And not, not, not saying that, but since my mind is conditioned so much against Calvinism um, to be like, okay, like um, this feels, you know, subconsciously translating things that wouldn't be sound as Calvinist. That makes we sense. We all have that temptation. Yeah, that makes sense. 
That makes sense. So then what, what, what do we do here? What do we do? Cause obviously we've hit a point in, in this discussion where we've like, okay, we have biases, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on our bias, we see these ideas differently. We have lenses. Yeah. We have lenses. So we're putting on our lenses and we're reading the scriptures and we're arguing about the scriptures yeah, based yeah. on those lenses. Yeah. So let's, let's bring this full circle. And how do, how do we deal with this? Because we're dealing with the fall of man. We're talking about Genesis. We just read it. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. The reason why we have death, the reason why we have these consequences, the reason why Christ comes is because of this, right? Whether, whether he was slain at the foundation of the world or at this current time when sin enters the world, right? Yeah. Whatever yeah, you yeah, say, yeah. right? Now we have a remedy for that sin. Yeah. Christ. Yeah. Let's, so let's, let's jump on that. So, so what do we do here? You don't know. You don't know. We don't know. I, I, I think a practical solution, this isn't talking about the great spiritual things. I think we need to surround ourselves with people who don't believe like we do in the church. Okay. I'm not saying like, make sure that you have a Buddhist friend and a, and a Muslim friend. I'm not saying that. Sure. I, sure. I, I think we need to surround ourselves with believers and friends who do not believe the same way because that keeps us in check. When you live in a theological echo chamber and all you're hearing is reformed, 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 or uh, Armenian, Armenian, or Pentecostal, 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 yeah, and you don't good. ever get consistently challenged, then you really um, don't have any checks and balances. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and, and I think that's important because I think you need to have someone challenge your ideas. And I don't mean the challenge to make you question who God is and his character. I mean, like, why why are you believing that? Like, let's really understand why you believe something. Yeah. Because most of the time, outside of the crux of our gospel of Jesus was born of a virgin, right? He was God and he died in a cross and then he rose again. Outside of those three issues, and we can talk about the gifts too. So like the ascension and the gifts outside of those, like a lot of this is all just opinion, right? And a lot of the, and a lot of things, and we base it on our doctrine and how we think and things of that nature. And yes, but a lot of it is us determining scripture here. Mm -hmm. And as long as we're believing those crux issues, are we not brothers in Christ? 100%. 100%. Preston, what do you think? Yeah, well, I think, you know, it, when it comes down to it, like those foundational issues that you were talking about, I mean, essentially, like, I think what happens is no matter if you're in the Reformed camp or the Armenian camp or whatever, you know, you, you can, there's a solid agreement on how to have eternal life, who God is, and now, sometimes one side criticizes another side <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa. But, um, but essentially what it is, it's just details in the, in the foundation. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say they're not important, but ultimately, like in the grand scheme of things of salvation and really who Jesus is, yeah. like whether we kind of disagree on our meaning of predestination that's what we're agreeing disagreeing on we're not disagreeing on the way to salvation we're disagreeing on a term and how that's defined yeah Yeah. so like really like it's small stuff and we get so worked up about it you know yeah which i don't get worked up about it i stay pretty cool cool and collective 
you know. That's good. That, and that's good. <laughs> but let me pose this question to both of you. What do you think God thinks about this? Ooh. Well, I think, I mean. The and I don't mean says, like, I don't mean like the opinion of which one's right or which one's wrong. But what do you think about the contention? Oh, okay. What do you think God thinks about us that, that we plant, plant these flags and we refuse to see past those flags? Well, in, in what way do you mean plant the flags and see past? Do you mean like uh, condemning so, other Christians or what? Yeah, let's let's let, yeah, or even cutting off communication, or even think that our brothers in Christ aren't Christians. Like, what do you think? Like, because that's what this comes down to, right? If you're so staunch and dug in in these positions, and you can't see past them, and you think your brothers aren't Christians, right over here, then what are you doing at that point? Mm. Yeah, well, no, I think at to that extreme, yeah, yes, God doesn't like it because right. I mean, like, that's that's kind of in a sense, blasphemous. Yeah. You're limiting, you know, you're limiting God's mercy and you're putting limits on God. Like, okay, God has not saved these people when you can't really save them. Yeah. Yeah. Or these people are second rate Christians. But I think God in the sense of like disagreement, I don't think God, that's something that God is going to condemn or that God like finds fair point, fair point finds wrong because, um, in a sense, like, I mean, the Bible says iron sharpens iron, right? And so Good. I think there's, there's a certain level there where God allows us to wrestle with these things because in wrestling with those things, we're going to dive deeper into his word. Yes. Know? Now we may it. dive deeper in with our own lenses, right? But ultimately, like once you dive deeper and deeper and deeper, like your lenses are only going to go so far, right? That's good. Where you're going to have to take the lenses off. So I think, I think the disagreement like kind of helps us get down to the truth of even these smaller issues of defining terms like elect predestination or you know the fall of man that's yeah. good that was real good that was that really good. good chris anything to add i i think that was spot on um i don't think that god cares i don't like i can say god doesn't care i don't think it angers god that we disagree um but i do think as passionate as i get because this is something i definitely get passionate yeah. about <laughs> um definitely get passionate about but as passionate as i get like people who are Cal calvinist or whatever i have we we have good friends uh, we all probably have good friends that we know and we love that we see as our brothers in christ and they're just as safe as we with. are i do yeah yeah do ministry with uh preach with whatever and um love them to death completely disagree on this particular topic but they're my brothers and i've seen god move through them i've seen the power of god move through them i've seen their heart for christ and for missions and for jesus and uh their fruit is powerful um in the by god's grace um but um I, I almost thought about making a side comment. <laughs> uh, you catch it till uh, I saw Bubba smirk. <laughs> well, I, it's I just did. funny you threw that term in there, by grace. You know? oh my God. God's grace. <laughs> of course, they're predestined to do that. That's great. We're predestined to be wrong, though. Yeah, see, that's the thing. If it's Calvinism and we believe this way, we believe this way because God willed it. So God we're doing God's will, right? It, so, so okay, and, and before we move on, do people think that? So like, like in your experience when dealing with Calvinists, do people think that like you're inherently just wrong and God willed that? No, because I th there's still a level like with your Calvinists that aren't hyper Calvinists, they still believe in a certain level of free will. Like if you do something stupid, they're not going to be like, well, I can't, you know, you know, 
you were predestined. But, but how do they? That I guess that's the that's yeah. the general question. I think there's. I mean, I don't know. I think that it what they see in God's grace and sovereignty, like He gives us a certain level of free will, but that free will has nothing to do with us choosing salvation. Yeah, it's and, more like a lesser day to day kind of thing. Like, bro, I don't know. That's that. Well, looking into it, like I mean, obviously we've all dealt with this topic for a long time. But when you start to look into it, you really realize that Calvinism is not monolithic. Like it, it is definitely multifaceted. And what do you mean? What do you mean mon, mon, monolithic? Uh, for example, not all Calvinists are going to straight up come up to you and say God predestines these to be saved and predestines these to go to hell. Ah, right? okay, okay. It's not just one. Oh, so it's like a Calvinist. spectrum. Yeah. Um, yes. Really is. So they, they all be, like appear adhere to some form or fashion of tulip, total depravity, and uh, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. But it's a spectrum of how that looks and how it appears. There's even some that will say, I, I, I think this is right. It's compatible free will, but it's not the same way we think of free will. Okay. So what, it's what how, compatible? And listen, if we could start going into all these oh, wow. terms, wow. like there, wow. there are a lot. Like, bro, here, here's two of them. Infra <laughs> Let me just tell you these two words right here. This is just for fun because we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. We're not going to okay. talk about it. Um, super lapsarianism, I think it is. Let's super, see. super lapsarianism. Yeah. That's a dope word. I don't know what it means, but it's a dope word. All right, here it, it is. Like okay. Yeah. You have. <laughs> Supralapsarianism is a type of uh, lapsarian views. These are different types of Calvinism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Woo. All right. Yeah, you have the supralapsarian, and then you have infralapsarianism. I believe, if I remember correctly, the supralapsarian are the ones that believe double predestination. I okay. may have these completely backwards. All right. They yeah. believe that God predestines these guys to go to heaven and these guys to go to hell. And then I believe that um, the infralapsarian are the ones that believe that God only predestines the elect to be saved and doesn't necessarily predestine the lost to go to hell. I may have completely turned those backwards. Um, but so the point of that to say that is not to criticize, is to say, hey, they've got a range too within themselves of what they got believe. It. And you have some Calvinists that are like extremely mission oriented. Um, church planning, missions, uh, huge things. And then you do have people who are legitimately hyper-Calvinists who are anti-missions. Like, what's the point kind of thing? Okay, so so that's my always been my like my critique. I guess yeah. it's like, if there's an elect, what's the point of doing anything? Like, what's the point? Well, I was listening to a Molinist. Okay. There's another <laughs> group, Molinism. <laughs> Give us all the degrees of Molinism. <laughs> no, I don't, even, I don't even understand it. I tried to listen to it today, and at the end of it, it's like, I don't understand anything. I just listened to. <laughs> but he's, he he used to be, I believe, an infralapsarian uh, Calvinist. Jeez, hey. Louise. What do they do? They just pick words that no one understands. I'm, I'm just saying it now for fun. I'm just saying it now for fun because I'm never going to use these words ever again. And he's, he asked this question. He said, "For the Calvinist, when the preacher gets up and says, can a preacher honestly get up and say that Christ died for all of you?" And that you all, anyone who will come, come because you all have the opportunity to come and give your life to Christ. Can a Calvinist preacher, regardless of what part of the spectrum they land on in Calvinism, truly fully say that? And he said, he said, I have some Calvinists. He used to be a Calvinist. He said, I have some Calvinist pastor friends who will say, well, I like to preach the gospel promiscuously. 
And so I think that in that kind of is like, you know, I want to, pro- that sounds, it's a weird combination. <laughs> that's a, the that's idea, a weird way. The that's idea weird is way preaching it. it. Ooh, promiscuous gospel. <laughs> like Mark Driscoll or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Oh. Throwing stones. We're throwing stones. <laughs> <laughs> you just name dropped right there. <laughs> I hope he doesn't watch our podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think we have to worry about that. So, uh, anyways, bad, sorry. anyways um, so his uh, his whole thing is like, well, can we can if you really believe that, can you really give an invitation for all people? I mean, I guess there is that odd chance that all the elect showed up to your meeting. But I mean, that see, okay, yeah, and we're not gonna get dive. We keep diving into it, even though yeah, we do. Not. Like, but like, like that. That's to me. That's where it comes as a sense of arrogance. It's like, mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's the biggest thing with Calvinism for me. Mm-hmm. Is it seems like arrogance comes with it. Yeah, because it's almost like this thing. Well, like I'm elect. You know what I mean? Because I am a Christian, and yeah. and I don't I don't think that's what Jesus Christ intended when he came as a servant. Yeah. Right. It's almost like it's almost like the opposite of what Jesus was intending in my in my view. I think the conclusion of this matter is um, we need to have a Calvinist on here. Agreed. I think I think that's the next. Yeah, I I think that's the next. Yeah. Like the next thing, the next thing, because and and, and not an aggressive way. Obviously, we're going to debate, but I think what we need to do is we need to have a Calvinist on here. We need to ask him or her. honest questions and let them speak for themselves. Agreed. I, I 100% agree with that statement because I have questions <laughs> and I don't understand. <laughs> They're going to be like, this is why you're not a we, <laughs> we need to get a Calvinist for every spectrum of Calvinism. <laughs> and just Are you in for Lepsarian or you're super Lepsarian or you're South South This will just turn into a Calvinism podcast at that point. <laughs> it's like the yeah, office right? diversity day. Just put a sticker on their <laughs> Oh man. Okay, let's let's wrap this up because it seems like that's okay. where we're at. Okay. Let's wrap it up with a final statement about Genesis 3 and just our general conversation that we had. Who wants to go first? Guests. Okay, take I'll it away. First. Man, Genesis 3 is like probably could be one of the most depressing chapters in the Bible, but also like the greatest hope because God, you know, is saying that like is talking about jesus um in the words talking about you know the seed of a woman will bruise you know the hill or the bruise the head of the snake and so like it's just like a lot of things got screwed up in genesis 3 but yet you know we still have god still still leaves us with hope in genesis 3 Mm -hmm. so whether you know what you believe about how god created you know or god's involvement in the fall i guess i should say it's Genesis three leaves us with hope, but it's about to cause a world of pain and hurt, but we have the hope and that's the most important thing. So that's good. That was good. Good way. Good way. Really in good. That there. Good job. Good. Chris, I'm going to follow after that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I would definitely say, okay, this is like chapter three is all right. This is where we are. We're broken creatures. We're fallen our love and our inclination is towards wickedness and sin and evil. This is where it started. We've inherited this. However, that looks, however, the details of that are, um, we may not never know exactly the port. The important part is that we understand that we of our own accord and account as humanity are separated from God, right? 
but there's something interesting at the end that he set the cherubim there to guard the way of the tree of life. There's something sacred there. There's life giving there. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want it to be corrupted. And there's a merciful aspect in the fact that God ejects them from the garden because he said, they'll become like us and live forever. If man had have eaten from the tree of life and lived forever, there's no hope for redemption. Mm, that's because good. Now you are eternally in this state of rebellion to God and eating in that. That's good. That's so good. All the surface is like, Oh, whoa, God did this. But in the end, he protected humanity from going to the full end of what the serpent wanted them to do. And now God, through the prophecy he gives about Eve's, the seed through Eve, is going to provide a way to break that breach and reconnect man with him and reconcile man to him. That's good. Good. And I'm going to follow up with both of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would, I would leave it like this. This is the fall, regardless of your view on what God did in the role of that fall. I will say what the, the outcome of what he chose to do is not destroy his creation that had just disobeyed him. That's good. And I really, I really gravitate towards the mercy of God. And you will see in like a couple chapters with the flood and everything, but it's interesting that the, the, the perfect reaction to us corrupting and bringing death upon us was to just let us die in that moment. Mm. But with the hope that is to come, he lets us continue mm. down a rabbit trail of sin and corruption to ultimately his son coming on earth and dying for our sins so that we can now have eternity back with us and the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Amen. Amen. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. It was great. That was good. Good podcast. We kind of got off the rails sometimes and we did good, but I really <laughs> enjoyed having Preston on. Me too. Thank Me you. too. You come back more often. All right. All right. All right. He's an officially a responsible educator. All right. You've been Chris. Responsible. <laughs> I think that's why it's that. It's, it's technically <laughs> responsible. <laughs> all right. This has been the Responsible Educators, episode three. Signing off. Bye, guys. Bye.